0: Hey, what's up? It's your girl Enchantress, poetess and interdisciplinary media extraordinaire. Stay tuned for Hidden Treasure, where we shine the light on the gems in our own backyard. I don't even think that I have the language to fully articulate um, just how transformative This trip to NOLA was. I've heard people mention before, like, you know, the presence of spirit, which, mind you, I feel like in Florida, I feel very much connected to spirit. There's a lot of nature trails around me, there's a lot of black life. And I feel like in those spaces, those are where I felt the most close to the Creator. But lately, I feel like I've just been struggling socially, and that's impacted my connection to spirit. I feel like when you have difficulty connecting to yourself, when you have difficulty connecting to other people, you consequently have difficulty connecting to to spirit, to God. And so, yeah, I feel like my spiritual journey, I've just felt stagnated for a period of time. I've been going through... I've been really just trying to understand what the fuck I'm doing, why I'm doing this shit like i'm I'm sure people have peeped like if you follow me on Instagram, you've peeped like I've just really just been just feeling like so how can I say this? almost like useless. For me, I feel like the kind of person I am and the work that I'm doing, family, community is central. Like, if I'm not doing this for black people, what the fuck am I doing this for? If I'm not doing it to liberate and heal and uplift my family, what am I doing this for? My lineage, what am I doing this for? If this is not impacting the people around me, then what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> this is like, this is literally, ancestral work is literally about about healing your lineage and liberating your lineage. That's, that's the, the core of it. Black resistance, black healing, black liberation, period. So I just was kind of feeling like if the work that I'm doing isn't contributing at all to those particular things, then maybe this is not the path that I'm supposed to be on. Maybe I need to stop and reevaluate and see. Maybe I'm supposed to be doing something different. And then not only that, in addition, I feel like to, you know, I've been working full time now and a full time student. I just feel like I haven't had a lot of time to really, you know, center, center myself as a spirit and just just center, just center those things, center connectedness. So overall, NOLA, I feel like, was definitely a time of kind of just being revitalized. A time of just feeling like I'm in alignment again. I swear, y'all, like, this trip was just, it was so healing for me. It was so good. And mind you, I really went there just to have a good time. Like, that was my only intention. You know, it was my cousin's. My cousin's birthday was earlier this month, so we were, we went there to celebrate her birthday and to celebrate her and you know, another year of life. And I didn't go there with any other intentions but to celebrate her and to have a good time, drink some good drink some good drinks, have some good food. Like that was really it. Um but I feel like I left with just so much more like I think a part of that also is I be feeling like that ain't ain't what I was sent here to do because, you know, for the most part, like, my family, they just kind of don't... They don't fuck with the path that I'm on, but I feel like every day, more and more, I just kind of realize, like, no, this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. I know it's uncomfortable right now, but you're going to reap the rewards in the end because I just really... It was just so in alignment. It was so on point for me. Um... I actually want to stop here and also say I feel like this trip kind of revealed to me. I've been kind of hesitant to talk to my friends that I've known my entire life, particularly with my, my cousin and my other friends. I've been hesitant to talk to them about the the turn that my spiritual journey has taken because of the fact that we've all grown up in the church together. Like all of our fathers were prominent figures in the church And that was kind of what binded us together, like um, just church culture. And so I was kind of hesitant to open up to them about my spiritual practices and like the things that I do now because they're so much different than what I believed and what I did in the past. But I think this trip also revealed to me that um, that I need to allow people—just kind of give people the chance to learn about me and to learn about who I'm becoming— because while we were there you know I had kind of started talking a little bit about you know how I how I feel about certain spiritual and religious things and it was like they were a lot more receptive than I expected so that's just like a a sidebar but yeah and the same thing also goes for my sister I feel like I've been very hesitant about opening up opening up to my sister about my spiritual practices because it really kind of felt like When my when me and my parents kind of fell out over my spiritual practice, it was like I really just need as many people in my corner as possible. And I don't want to talk to anybody else about it because I don't want them to, you know, to reject me. I already felt rejected by my family and my parents. So I was like, I really can't deal with anybody else, you know, rejecting me over my spiritual beliefs. But I swear, like, I don't know. I don't know. This has just been. This has been literally a hot hoodoo summer for me, for real, bitch. Like, <laughs> just doing all the learning, all the research, bitch. Anyways, so yeah, let me get back to talking about Nola, cause y'all know, bitch. I, one thing about it, I'm a fucking ramble. But I think really the most enjoyable experience for me is just being in the streets. And, like, listening to the music and watching people dance in the middle of the street. I thought that shit was so fucking beautiful. Like, one thing I've noticed, black people are so much closer to our roots than we think. Because in I, in African diasporic religion, not even religions, in our culture, period. Like, even when we practice, you know, traditional religions, we practice it in a way that is so fucking African. Like, you know, just watching the way the people would circle up to dance. I'm like that is so fucking African bold like like I don't know just something about that just feels so fucking ancestral like it's like almost like a, a crowd of witnesses uh, of guardians of of protection just people just covering you, watching you, witnessing you, celebrating you. And you know the people in the middle are dancing. Something about that just feels so fucking ancestral and powerful. And I felt like I witnessed that a lot in NOLA. Like, there would just be um, circles of people, and there would be men in the middle dancing, you know. Just, like, bro, if you if you ever heard that song about uh, Sissy Nubbin, be like, pop that nigga, pop, pop. Yeah, stuff like that. Like, men moving their hips, you know, just doing all types of shit. And the same thing goes with, you know, women, women on their heads bending over walking and shaking their ass like all types of shit mind you it's cars coming cause literally like I said in the middle of the street it's cars coming they don't give a fuck they continue dancing continue to be circled up and force the cars to go around them and I feel like there is just something to be said about black people who continue to take up space in a world that literally conditions them and tries to force them not to I just thought I just thought that was so beautiful like I really, really, really enjoyed New Orleans, and I feel like, you know, a lot of people study, like, the history, which is important. People study the history, the heritage, like, the roots of New Orleans, the the things that are happening in the past, but I feel like uh, oftentimes we kind of miss the fact that we're literally living through history right now. Like, I need to see think pieces on fucking bounce, New Orleans bounce and bounce culture. Please, give them to me. <laughs> Like I need people to be attentive and, and documenting black life now. Cause I feel like that is just it's just something that we kind of can't overlook. We just we are a part of it. So of course we find these things to be like mundane, a part of life. But bro, there's just so much heritage, there's so much history that's happening right now while we while we walk in this earth, while we're alive. So definitely that. Um but, yeah, and then, okay, also, let me tell y'all, this shit was just crazy as hell. Let me tell y'all. Prior to going to New Orleans, I feel like I had kind of, you know, told my ancestors. I feel like they're just like me. Like, we're we're just alike. Literally, when I be navigating this world, I be like, bro, I am... I've just, I've just inherited so many traits and characteristics from them. And I've come to realize that we kind of all... We we center simplicity and functionality like if something is not useful there is no need for it to be there so like when it comes to my altar like i know people they be like oh put liquor on it put cigars put this and that and a third and all this other shit and i feel like my folks they be like "Mm, no so that's one thing y'all listen listen to your folks listen to your ancestors use what other people say as a guide as a as a tool to to guide you but you filter it vet it like crazy because ultimately what matters is what you're called to do so yeah um and sorry guys y'all probably hear my roommate in the background it's fine but um but yeah so um just I've just kind of come to realize like they just they don't care about all of the crystals and and all that other shit that other people they're like no simplicity at best But anyway, so I've been asking them, like, you know, what kind of things do you guys want me to put on this altar? Because it's looking a little bare. It's, like, looking a little, like, you know, it's just looking bare. It's clean, but it looks looks bare. It looks empty. And um, while I was in New Orleans, we went to this swamp tour, which was so cool. It was so great. I've never seen bay leaf outside of the store. We literally saw bay leaf in nature. It smells so good. And the bay leaf in the, more, in the store doesn't smell anything like that. But And, you know, like, we had... I took so many pictures. But we have seen some people who, like, live on the water. They literally live in, like, boat houses and shit like that. And um, at the end of the tour, you know, they have, like, a little gift shop. Like, if you ever been to Nature's Classroom, you know there is a, a little like a preserve and then they have like a shop to kind of help gain extra money to help support you know maintaining the the preserve and keeping the animals and the people who live there and wildlife safe and stuff like that so yeah so um I came across these little gator teeth and my folks were just kind of like get that and I thought it was so strange because I'm not familiar with you know using gator well for one I didn't know that in Florida in Florida and in the Carolinas people eat gator like there's just so many things that I feel like people have kind of made it seem like this is just a NOLA thing and it's like no those things happen here too like for example hoodoo like I've heard it said before people saying like you know hoodoo is like the or New Orleans is the birthplace of hoodoo and that is not true all of these things were happening simultaneously like there, hoodoo was coming up in in florida and nola in south carolina and other you know areas of the coast because mind you all of the all of the colonies began on the coast so all of black people's like you know migratory patterns in as far as america's obviously we we, we we came to the states prior to being in like you know prior to Britain colonizing that particular area of, um, the States, you know, the Spanish were there and they brought black people with them that they had enslaved, you know, the French, other groups touched that coast. And I believe even African people probably discovered, um, not even discovered, but probably realized that turtle island was there prior to even europeans because we had an age of exploration before them but um yeah but all of hoodoo was coming up it was being developed along the coast simultaneously which i didn't know until i had done a little bit of studying about gator teeth and about the uses of gator teeth. Because I'm like, why do these, why do they want this on my altar? So I just kind of, obviously, I'm always coming from a hoodoo perspective. Because, you know, my grandmother, her side of the family, they're Gullah. And, like, that's my that's my paternal side. They're Gullah. They're um, from Florida. And then my maternal side, they're also from Florida. But they're, like, Afro-Seminole. So... I was just kinda of looking up hoodoo and, you know, the the uses of gator teeth in hoodoo. And I stumbled upon this information about Uncle Monday, which I've never even heard of Uncle Monday before. But apparently, you know, the authorist, anthropologist, and just overall Juju Jim, Zora Nil Hurston has written about him before, has collected stories from Florida about him. And Mind you, the page that I'm reading is a New Orleans page. But apparently they're talking about how um, Uncle Monday was an enslaved, you know, african descendant man who was first transported to the coast of South Carolina. And then, you know, escaped, became a fugitive, quote-unquote, and migrated to Florida with Afro-Seminals um, or became an afro Seminole because afro Seminole that's a term that comes from black people who were enslaved who escaped and kind of assimilated or just um, became entrenched or part of Seminole culture as as a means of protection and so they were Seminole they were African descended people but they were occupying Seminole land and they were being guarded they're basically almost like refugees like political refugees economic and political refugees so yeah um and I thought that was so crazy that story really resonated for me I'm gonna I'm a actually like read this story in a in a bit but um that story really resonated for me because like I've mentioned before like my grandmother is Gullah she's from South Carolina from the islands of South Carolina and um I think they actually moved to like Beaufort South Carolina or something like that but she has family in Hardyville she has family in other areas of of the Carolinas even in North Carolina and then not only that but in Florida like I know that my great-grandmother and her family they are Afro-Seminole so I'm like this this story really connected and really resonated for me because I'm like this is literally almost like a tracing, not necessarily a tracing, but these are like my origin stories. These are my origin places. And it's almost like a connection of my two sides, because like I said, that's my paternal side and my maternal side that are my my paternal side is seminal. I mean, is Gullah, South Carolina and my maternal side is Afro-Seminal, so it's like, almost like, it was just almost like a, a full circle fucking moment, that shit was just so weird, and I'm like, it's so ironic that I've come across this particular story, when that's, those are literally the places where the two different lineages that have come together to create one with me, where they've descended from, and then not only that, but in new orleans uncle monday is also an important figure because of the fact that he's associated with the alligator with the swamp so um we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about his story a bit this is me summarizing it because i don't want to be talking forever but i will highly advise y'all to look at zora nose hurston's story um that has the collection It's, it's her collection book um but yeah she did a lot of folkloric work for Florida that apparently just never was published because if you've if you've um heard me mention or discuss her before, she had a very difficult time being taken seriously as an anthropologist as a folklorist just she just had so much difficulty but yeah, so, as I mentioned before, Uncle Monday was just a very powerful a very powerful medicine man. And um, he was known to work with crocodiles because in West and Central African society, crocodiles are very essential, are very important to some of the spiritual work that's done there. And to the Seminoles, alligators are very essential so when he was enslaved, brought to the Carolinas and then brought down to Florida and he came in contact with the Seminoles, um he almost I feel like black people had to I feel like this story really speaks to to black people's resistance and adapt adaptability. Like um a lot of a lot of people try to say like oh hoodoo is a a mixture and of African and European and Native American culture, and that is not accurate. It is African, period. It is African. But the the truth of the matter is that we had to become familiar. We had to familiarize ourselves with the things that we had access to here. We were uprooted from things that we were familiar with, and we had to kind of find things that were close enough to what we had already familiarized ourselves with. But the, the truth is that it's African, period. So, yes, because of the fact that Seminoles um, revered alligators, he did adapt to that because he revered crocodiles, and crocodiles were very similar and looked very much alike alligators. That does not mean that Hoodoo is any less African. That, that doesn't mean that at all. But, yeah, um... Huh... y'all I'm just saying like this story really resonated with me but I think what was even crazier is the fact that um when I was doing some research it came up that according to you know um oral tradition according to oral record he had the ability or developed the ability to shapeshift So he had a ceremony where the Seminole surrounded him in a circle and um, they basically were drumming and chanting and eventually he began to transform into an alligator and he decided that he was going to, he was able to, he was able to better serve his community as an alligator because he can hide in the water what and mind you this is this is a real man like this this is a real man uncle monday is a real man who's existed he has literally led a revolt he led the, he led the seminal war y'all like this is a real fucking man who's existed but according to oral tradition he transformed into an alligator and hid in the water hid in the swamps until like the evasion which is when that is when almost like it was it almost seemed like a a tactic like it could be a tactic people were saying he was waiting until the war was over but I don't accept that one thing like like, black folks are all about preservation we're definitely about you know not surrendering but um I feel like it was almost like a a war tactic like a guerrilla like ambush type shit um so yeah I just thought that shit was so fucking lit and it was kind of like the story goes that he kind of became like the king of alligators like he when he transformed into an alligator and he bellowed all of the alligators that were in the water just came out of the water and just almost kind of like accepted him type shit So I just thought that was so fucking lit. I thought that was an amazing story that spoke to the resistance of black people, that spoke to our fight, to our, uh, just our ability to really acclimate ourselves, to learn how to acclimate ourselves in environments that we're completely unfamiliar with. The same is true, I can't remember his name, but the same is true for our abilities when it comes to language. You know how fucking amazing it is to me that our ancestors learned a new fucking language in a country that they were completely unfamiliar with i think that shit is so fucking it's so it's it's crazy like everybody else they be struggling you know they be like oh speak this language you're in america and my thing is you know we're so good at learning new languages i feel like our linguistic skills are just on point let me just say that i feel like even when when it comes to like black youth black children They have a better time articulating themselves. They have a better time talking sometimes than they do necessarily. And I'm not saying... I feel like... This is from what I've noticed, from what I've observed. One of my younger cousins, he did not know how to read. But he could talk to you like a grown man. Like, he knew how to hold a conversation. I think he was like three or four years old, holding full conversations, full sentences. Did not know how to read. Wasn't even in preschool yet, man. But that's what I'm saying. We got... We have we have just phenomenal linguistic skills but anyways so yeah um I just thought that was so dope and I think the other thing that I found dope was the fact that a lot of um hoodoo figures a lot of the heroes that we center that we uplift that we name they are people who've really lived Um, And the same thing goes for our gods. Our gods are people who have literally lived. They have been kind of, they've just kind of graduated to godhood. But they are people who have really like documented people who have lived. So that's all I'm going to say, (laughs) y'all, about that. Um, And then I kind of want to talk about, you know, just Papa Gator and like the other, the the ways in which I don't want to go in too in depth with it. Because I feel like some things are for black ears only, and I just don't want—I don't want the. I mean, a lot of this stuff is accessible online, but I just really wish that only black people had access to certain shit. Like I don't—I don't know. Anyway, but um, yeah. So obviously, like I said before, when it comes to my ancestors with with my ancestors with simplicity and functionality being the key the same thing is true for like when it comes to different tools that we use in hoodoo so alligator is seen as a renewable like natural resource because of the fact that they reproduce there was a period of time where people were like over harvesting them over hunting them but alligator you know they reproduce at a very high level um so, you know, people use their meat and their hide for food, you know, and clothes. People use different parts of the body though for curios, for tools, for what white people like to call fetishes. <laughs> um so yeah, so like, you know, people use like their feet for protection or you know, luck, good luck, or to protect their money. Um, they use it to boost fertility and the head which is called i think it's a gad, they use it to protect the home so they'll put the home at the front door with the mouth open and the teeth in particular are used by hoodoos and mojo bags in mojo bags particularly for like protection and prosperity and good luck and things like that so um i now have gator teeth on my altar and um I have been trying to study a little bit more to think about different ways that I can implement it in my practice. But yeah, 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 yeah. That was just really cool. I also kind of want to talk about... um, Like, let's just talk about how my ancestors literally set me on a path for... And, like, literally for anthropological and genealogical work. So I kind of want to touch on the fact that, I mean, times have really not changed since Dora Neale Hurston was an anthropologist and a folklorist trying to be taken seriously. And I feel like on this path, on this journey, I have also had to fight. I mean, fight like hell. My family my community, everybody, to be seen as who I am. Like, I'm so grateful for those who witness me, for, for those who see me as a genealogist, see me as an anthropologist, see me as a griot, see me as a collector <laughs> of our stories and our truths and, 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 and an excavator. Um, because... I feel like there's just so many spaces in which I'm not taken seriously as those things. Like, so many people refuse to witness me. And I kind of want to talk about the creativity, the resilience, the grit, the perseverance that Black folklorists have to embody in a way that other people don't have to. Like, I and I genuinely also want to speak to The fact that if it wasn't for my ancestors, if it wasn't for me utilizing my ancestors as a resource, as a community of support and guidance, I literally, I would not fucking continue to do this work. Um, It's just so many times where I just feel discouraged and I want to give up. I want to fucking give up and I don't want to continue on this path. But... I feel like this particular moment, me going to NOLA, was just a reminder. It was a very, (laughs) what is it, dramatic and uh, extravagant reminder, expensive reminder that this shit, it costs, but it's fucking worth it. It pays to... yeah. You tap in. Use your fucking ancestors. Use your fucking dead. They support you. They witness you even when everybody else refuses to. And they will guide you. I feel like I've been trying to um almost like butter up my elders to an extent to get stories from them. But it seems like they're kinda like <laughs> catching on to the fact that i'm using not necessarily using these stories but i'm i'm asking for information from them to in a very um roundabout way gather information about a particular set of things which is hoodoo i'm trying to get information about hoodoo from them but i i witnessed that there's magic literally in the mundane so they will be talking about their life as kids talking about their childhood and things like that and i'll be like you know what that is a hoodoo thing. That is a African diasporic thing. But I think they're kinda of catching on to that. And like I said, like I've just had very I've had a, a a very difficult time socially. Socially I've just been suffering. And I've been having a difficult time finding information in the other mediums and ways that I've been using. But I never necessarily considered like, bro, You can pick up those fucking playing cards. You can talk to your your ancestors. You can communicate with them to find the information that you're seeking. They will lead you on the right path. I feel like even me trying to, you know, figure out where I'm from on in Africa. um, I was led to, got to be Oshun, her page. And she does readings on what part of the world people are from. Mind you, they're $200 a nigga ain't got $200 but you know I'm working so I'm gonna save up money to get that reading and not only that but I feel like my ancestors also have kind of revealed to me that it's possible that I'm from Angola because Gula Gola, Angola so it's like I've just kind of been getting closer to truly getting to the root of who I am and where I come from and I'm just excited I'm excited spiritually again I'm excited in life I just feel I just feel so led. I feel like I'm in alignment. Like I'm doing what I've been sent here to do. And that's really all I want to do. Fulfill my destiny. You know. So there's that. I really did not want to turn this into a lengthy thing. But I also, before we leave, I want to talk about the fucking shadow man. Because if y'all don't know when i'm at work literally all i'm doing is sorting papers filing and shit like that so it's boring as fuck i mean literally i can listen to music i can listen to podcasts talking about that please send me some fucking podcast recommendations but you know other than that it's pretty much silence and i'm sorting papers for eight nine hours so i have like so much time to fucking think and the other day i was at work and i was thinking about um the shadow man for some particular reason and i just found it so fucked up like i was so bad y'all i was getting fucking mad i found it so fucked up that um niggas was literally condemning that man like literally his whole story is that he's a villain my nigga is poor he don't have enough money only have a few coins he can't eat he can go to the the restaurant and maybe get a glass of water but he can't eat he can't get no damn beignets and he's supposed to be pleased and at peace that there's this white man that ain't done shit ain't doing shit don't have nothing to contribute but he making all this bank and just throwing it away on unnecessary shit like a motherfucking newspaper like is you serious black folks can't dream now White folks can hoard massive amounts of wealth, and they can use their ancestors and use their spirits and use their motherfucking fucked up spiritual practices to do it. But a poor man can't use the spiritual gifts that he inherited to get access to the resources that he literally needs. Like it's not he not this motherfucking rich ass man that's spending a stack of money on newspapers or to get beignets or throw a fucking irrelevant unnecessary party. No, it's literally he's trying to fucking eat. He's trying to get the resources that he needs. Like I really don't get that. And white folks can use fairies and all this other shit to obtain things that they don't need, but we can't use the tools that we've inherited to get things that we need and that we don't. That things that we desire. We and that's the other thing too. Let's talk about the condemnation of using because I feel like I I've, I've fallen guilty of this too. Why the fuck can't we use our tools for for love spells? Like motherfuckers be like, oh, you know, I just use, and I, I was doing that too, like kind of thinking I was on some type of high horse because I'm like, no, I only use my, you, know, I only use my tools, I only use my gifts for ancestral work, I only use my tools to lift up my lineage, and okay, a bitch can't, can't use her tools to get a fuck though, <laughs> like me being pleasured, me being happy is important too, me having joy is important too, I feel like we have kind of. And again, I was listening, listening to "Got to Be" Oshun's podcast, and I just kind of realized, like, yes, people have kind of centered defensive, defensive magic, and defensive work, and defensive pra- practices in our, you know, things, in our shit. Like when people think of hoodoo, when they think of voodoo, they think of harm, they think of defense, they think of violence. They never think about the fact that those things are those tools are literally. Violence, yes, but at the center to protect and preserve and center Black life, to celebrate Black life and Black love and Black joy and Black peace. And it's like, why can't I also, I was just thinking about it, like, why can't I also use my tools for those things? And then also, when I was studying Uncle Monday, I came across Papa Gator, um, which is and mind you, you know, I've been to like a couple of little stores, and I've seen like you know some voodoo dolls, and i I even myself was colonized and thinking that um voodoo dolls are about harm and they're not so basically, propagator is like a juju swamp doll that is representative of a spirit of healing and blessing. And it's a, a doll or pin that is supposed to facilitate healing and blessing for the individual that it represents. But when people talk about voodoo dolls, they also they always talk about how they're used to inflict harm. I've never ever heard them being discussed um, to center or to facilitate, you know, liberation and healing for Black people. And I feel like that is a very that is a very intentional thing that's being done. It's very intentional. Um, Yeah, why the fuck? I, you know what? And it kind of reminds me of something that, um, what is her name? Tanisha, I know this woman's last name, y'all. Tanisha Pratt. Tanisha Pratt said a while ago, that we have internalized the European gaze on African culture. And I feel like that's true even in spiritual spaces. We have difficulty accepting or seeing that these things are ultimately not about causing harm. That our practices, yes, the the gist of it w- that we've seen lately is, you know, defensiveness, is violence in reaction, in response to the violence that we have been at the end of that we have had perpetuated against us but what does our practices look like what do they look like outside of harm what do they look like outside of white hegemonic violent fucking culture that's what i've been pondering that's what i've been sitting with for the last few days like and i feel like that is something that is a lesson that the shadow man has left with me why the fuck can't black folks dream why can't we want better Why can't we want, and that's not to say that to be like white people or to want to be oppressors, but why can't we want?